0: Welcome back to Copper Country Today, brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. You can learn more at phfgive.org. I'm Grant Ducetto, joined by Mary Jennings, the director of the Rosé Center on Michigan Tech's campus. So maybe we should talk a little bit about last year, just because it was such an odd and different year. And, you know, what did you learn from the whole experience? Is there anything that maybe... um, you learned during COVID that can translate into future success for the theater and the organization as a whole?
1: Yes. Oh, what a meaty question to start (laughs) with. Um, Last year, uh, just in my unique position and and being uh, kind of having eyes inside of the arts industry as shutdowns and prolonged shutdowns were happening, um, watching how artists were reacting, how other venues were reacting, um, I first have to say that being a part of a university and being a presenting organization um, connected to a larger organization really did um, preserve us from some of the the worst damage that the industry saw. Um, independent artists, independent venues really struggled last year and continue to struggle this year. Um, and so uh, having kind of a deepened respect for the work that has to happen across our country just for people to continue to have access to arts, um, that was made really clear that there are just a lot of people who work really hard so that we can have any kind of show on stage, whether it's um, a touring ballet company or it's um, a rock group or a tribute band. um, Everybody's working their tail off, and they want to work hard. And last year in the pandemic, um, when we were unable to do work – people got really innovative. Uh, and and so learning from the artists that we had planned to work with um, and kind of following their lead um, and seeing how they transitioned their work that was meant to be viewed on stage to work meant to be viewed in a digital way. It wasn't just like, okay, well, we can, um, we can put a show on stage with no audience, we'll record it, and then we'll send that recording out. Like, it became very clear by, like, april 2020 that the demand for that was going to be short-lived you have netflix like if you want to watch something recorded we've got netflix and amazon prime and hulu like that's not how the performing arts want to be consumed for a long time essentially
0: but, streaming was a different medium entirely from the theater and the traditional stage um, i guess uh, manner that plays and performances had been put on in the past
1: exactly exactly and um our artists and our audience want that live experience. Like that's what makes um, the attending the performing arts in whatever way, whether you're, you like to attend like big concert arena shows, like music shows, or you like to see the, the chamber choirs or, or anything in between. Um, being together in person is such a factor in how people are making their decision to spend their money and their time to participate in the arts. And so when the live factor is taken away um, – Many artists used that creativity to come up with new ways to engage with audiences over the screen, not just by, you know, creating streaming content. Um, And so something that we're taking away from the pandemic um, is our digital kids series at the Rosé Center that I'm super excited about. It's called Smart Art Bites. They're five to seven minute um, arts content, arts lessons for kids, meant for kids like in elementary school. And we worked with artists locally and across the country to get these little bite-sized art lessons, you know, three minutes from a ballet company or three minutes from a percussionist to teach kids how to make a rhythm or how to do a quick change. Um, These really kind of fun skills that don't need tons of time to master. um, And also a lesson that you don't have to be stuck to your screen to consume. You can watch it once and then practice it not being on YouTube. Um, But we had a ton of fun making that project last year because of the pandemic. Um, And so this is going to be a project that outlives uh, all the shutdowns and all the social distancing and everything.
0: Why don't we talk about the fall season a little bit? How is it going to look this year compared to kind of pre-COVID experiences? Is it looking fairly similar or did you maybe add a wrinkle or two?
1: Um, I wouldn't say a wrinkle. We, you know, the artists that we're programming are the same artists that, uh, you've seen on the Rose Center, um, stage in the past, not the exact same artists, but same kind of artists. We're opening the season, um, with a Malian blues guitarist, so if you're, uh, into guitar technique, um, he's a master, like a global master. And, um, I, this was a, a performance originally scheduled for April 2020. And so we're excited to actually welcome him in person um, onto the Rosé stage, followed by um, a performance by Eric Koskinen, who is a local guy who is now um, living out of Minneapolis. And he's like a Americana country um, soul artist, and he's touring his band up here. So we're excited to to welcome Eric back to the area um, we've got some dance shows uh, planned for the fall. We're bringing the Nutcracker back, and that's exciting. Um, the, the Minnesota Ballet will come back with, you know, full costumes, big set. Uh, the Keywood Symphony Orchestra will accompany the, sh- the show. And then, of course, um, there will be local dancers from the Superior School of Dance uh, who get to perform alongside the professionals for three, three performances of the Nutcracker. And we're really anticipating that um, – those shows will be sellouts, uh, Mm. whatever capacity might be at that time. Um, We know that our community always has been excited about the Nutcracker in the past, and we anticipate the same thing this year.
0: Well, when I was at the Pine Mountain Music Festival, that performance had outside talent. It had the Keweenaw Symphony Orchestra. It had bands from Marquette. It had Northern Michigan Ballet dancers. Does the Rose play a role in coordinating those types of productions, or is that done by whoever happens to be on the stage at that time?
1: Um, for Pine Mountain, that's coordinated by the Pine Mountain Music Festival organizers. But uh, you know, for the Rose Center during you know our academic year programming, kind of September to April every year, uh, we're coordinating those touring artists coming into the area.
0: So when we have something like the Nutcracker, where it's involving talent from as far away as Minnesota, but also from our backyard, mm-hmm. you're involved with making sure that all of that, you know, ends up happening the yeah. way it's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: one of the fun parts of my job, that I get to um, work with the artists in our region and nationally and internationally, um, and not just bring them to our area, but for a unique production like The Nutcracker, really um, help to facilitate these collaborations with these professionals from out of the area, and the immense talent that we have right here in the Keweenaw.
0: Do you find that the Rosé Center, just because of our location, it's fairly remote, it's four hours to Duluth, you know, four hours down towards Green Bay and a little bit more for Milwaukee, some of the major kind of population centers in the region. Do you think that this is still kind of a hidden gem or do you think that it has a nice reputation at this point among different uh, professionals in the performance industries?
1: Um, maybe both. Maybe my answer is both. I think it's still a bit of a hidden gem. Um, I always run into folks, uh, in, in town who have said that they haven't been to the Rosé in years or that they've never been. And so for, um, folks, you know, in, in the UP, uh, perhaps it's still something to be discovered. Um, within the arts industry though, we do work very hard, um, myself, our staff, um, to, make an impression on the artists that are going far out of their way to come up to us you know um we we're we're getting national tours that are going all over the country and um coming to us from you know these larger places that you had mentioned in the midwest and um even though we are working to get them up here we still make make a point to show them the best of the Kiwana when they're visiting you know feeding them good food and pointing them to Local places to spend a little bit of time while they're while they're here um, so that they, I think, do develop a, an appreciation of exactly where it is that they're performing so far out of the way, way north in the woods.
0: So we've gotten to the Nutcracker. I'm assuming that's sometime in December. Mm-hmm. What's the rest of the season look like?
1: The rest of the season, we have um, Danu, which is a traditional Irish music ensemble, coming in in early March uh, for kind of a St. Paddy's Day uh, type of program. Um, We've got a couple digital programs scheduled in March, um, uh, one with uh, the poet uh, Joy Harjo, who's going to be doing some readings of her work in an interview with the UP Poet Laureate, who also is a Michigan Tech faculty member. Um, and so those will both be digital events. Um, but then a live performance, live music performance by the artist known as Kane He's a Sudanese-American pop singer. He's kind of got a, a funk vibe, like a, a kind of a 70s vibe to his music, but it's a lot of fun. Um, so we're excited to bring him in. And then we're ending our presenting series season so the the kind of the professional companies that are coming in um in a with a collaboration with Wolf's Head theater out of marquette michigan they're going to be producing the thanksgiving play which is a satire uh and we're we're presenting it as dinner theater so um you'll you'll come and sit right on the rose stage and have dinner and watch this show and um I, i think it'll be we haven't really done anything like that before so that'll be a fun way for us to end the season
0: What was the impetus to try something like that? Did you just say, hey, let's throw it on the wall and we'll see what sticks? Or, I mean, what's the the thought process or how do you kind of decide to take a new chance?
1: There's definitely an element of just throwing stuff at the wall that um, I rely heavily on my staff to tell me whether the ideas I have are worth following through or maybe a little too too wild. And so this was... um, This is a company, Wolf's Head Theater is a company that I've had my eye on for a while. They do really fun work at a Marquette. They're often performing um, out of the Ordoc, And uh, they're also known as UP Shakes. They have a a Shakespeare festival that they were running, you know, prior to the pandemic. Um, So they do really fun, interesting work. And for years, we've been talking about how to get them up to Houghton. And this just seemed like the right idea um, and the right time. And because of the play being the Thanksgiving play, but we're not doing it around Thanksgiving time, um, trying out a dinner theater seemed to, it was just a quick idea that kind of snowballed into what the production actually is turning into. Um, And so uh, we've never done anything like this before, but I kind of love those opportunities.
0: How about Winter Carnival weekend? Have you decided, usually there's a comedian or some sort of, I guess, would be a pop culture entertainment type act that tends to be at the Rosé that weekend. Do we know yet uh, what's going to be on stage for that particular we, weekend?
1: We don't know yet. Um, we, we work, in the past, we've worked closely with the students and um, and since then the students have really taken over that programming. And so we hold the stage for them and they just kind of let us know once they've figured out who it's going to be. But I haven't gotten a, a sense from, from anyone who's going to be the winter carnival comedian this year.
0: Getting away from the, I guess, the professional series more towards the day-to-day, what is kind of a normal day at the Rosé look like? What students are using it? Where are they learning there?
1: You know, I don't think there's a normal day. Um, <laughs> that, and that's that's something that I love about my job and where where I work. Um, but it does. It changes day to day. Sometimes it changes hour to hour. Um, over the summer, it looks very different than it looks during the academic year. Um, I, I'm really trying to think of what might be typical, but you know, we've got our, our staff who's, who's working hard um, to coordinate for these tours that are coming through, these visiting artists. Um, at the same time, we are working closely with the faculty in the Visual and Performing Arts Department Um, because the faculty are producing um, a a lot of shows over the course of the year. I think it's over 50 individual um, productions that are going into the Visual and Performing Arts Department season. And so um, coordinating rehearsals and making sure that the band room has been cleaned and it's ready for the next ensemble to come in, we have seven or eight music ensembles um, that are both student and community ensembles all coordinated through the visual and performing arts department. And then four um, theater productions that are all, you know, the sets are getting built, um, and that's happening in the scene shop, and they're getting painted, and the students are rehearsing. And this is going on, you know, from morning till evening, till after I go home um, at the end of the day. Uh, and so between all of those things happening, we have arts classes, um, and, and then rentals in the space too. So uh, banquets for colleges or for community groups um, and kind of any anything in between. It's it's a busy place. It's a busy place. And I know
0: in the lobby and stuff, you'll have essentially galleries where you highlight different uh, exhibitions from various art groups in the area.
1: We do. We have our basement, our lower level galleries, um, one side of our gallery space is kind of a working studio for Michigan Tech students um, that over the course of the semester becomes their, their exhibition. And then the other side is our uh, a gallery space for the professional artists that are curated. And um, we have a couple a couple different shows over the course of each semester.
0: Do you think that the Rosé Center's role in this community, just because Tech is a STEM University. Do you think it differs from maybe other campuses, or uh, do you think it's you know kind of roughly the same as far as what you're trying to provide in terms of the services to the Houghton Hancock area in general?
1: I think that because we're on a STEM campus, we have a responsibility to work really hard to engage our community. Um, And I don't want to say that we have a a population that is uninterested because I know that that's not true. Um, I know that we have a a population on campus and in the community that want the performing arts and they want to have opportunities to engage with these cultural experiences that are both local and visiting. Um, But to, to find unique ways to maybe partner a visiting artist with a mechanical engineering class or a kinesiology class to expose the students to the artists in a more intimate setting um, where that knowledge can be shared. Uh, that's, a, that's a unique opportunity that we have at a place like Michigan Tech. Um, and those partnerships when we have been able to bring our artists together with our more STEM-minded students um, have been really impactful. We had a group a couple years ago called Circ Mechanics and so this was a fun circus show. Think Cirque du Soleil. Um, people doing flips all over the stage, big set. Um, and we were able to bring in middle school kids who are interested in STEM programming to experience the science behind the set because it's all physics. Like the the tricks that these acrobats are doing, as well as the way that the set fits together and breaks down and. Um, there's so much science that goes into the art, and that's something that maybe is lost if you're just sitting in the audience watching a spectacle on stage.
0: And do you work a lot with the local schools, whether it be Houghton School District, Houghton Portage Township? I don't want to ruffle any feathers here. (laughs) Or maybe Hancock or some within the CCISD, I guess I will say.
1: Well, we have our class acts program that... um, Pre-pandemic uh, was really geared towards um, those ele- the elementary school age um, classes where you know we program um, shows specifically for younger audiences on stage um, meant to be field trips. So we would get all the buses from Houghton and all the buses from Hancock and from from pretty far away to come in and see these performances on stage. Um, since the pandemic, again, kind of what I mentioned at the at the top of our show. Um, we we switched that model to be the digital Smart Art Bites where we're still delivering arts content, um, but maybe more directly to kids um, that's still educational. Um, and so in the future, I do look forward to welcoming the schools back into our space um, for those field trip opportunities um, while we continue to also develop what Smart Art Bites is.
0: Mary, anything else you want to tell people about the rosé before we wrap this up?
1: Um, The only other big project that we haven't had an opportunity to talk about is our Listen app. That uh, was a project um, clearly coming out of the pandemic. I knew that we weren't going to have an audience in our venue for maybe almost a whole year. Um, And so we worked with a company uh, to develop an app that is a location-aware music app. And what that means um, is that you have to be at a certain location and actually moving along a trail to experience music that was composed just for that area. So we worked with um, two local composers who are Michigan Tech faculty, Libby Meyer and Adam Meckler, um, and each composer composed for a specific trail. Adam Meckler composed for the Houghton Waterfront Trail. That's the walk from chutes and ladders to the skate park. And Libby Meyer composed for the Quincy Mine Ground. And so both trails sound very unique. Um, and we worked with these developers to essentially layer the music into a like geotagged app platform. <laughs> I'm, I'm way over my head now. You can tell. <laughs> I can tell a little
0: bit. <laughs> um, You're way over my head, too, That uh, it makes you feel better.
1: <laughs> yeah, that does. It makes me feel a little better. Um, but it's, I think it's a really cool project. It's gonna be a project that lives for a couple years. It's a free app that you can download on iPhone or Android um, called Listen at Michigan Tech. And so you just have to um, download the app for free, go to one of these locations, plug in headphones, and it won't work if you're not wearing headphones. I tried it. <laughs> um, you need to have, or like Bluetooth speakers or something. Um, and then you just start walking. And as you walk, The music changes. It won't change if you're not moving along the trail. And um, so I think this is a super innovative way to blend technology um, and nature, which we have an abundance of here, uh, and, and the arts. And I'm really excited about that project.
0: So, if this app takes off, have you thought about expanding it to other trails besides what you already have? in the queue, so to speak?
1: Absolutely. So we've got two trails. We've got the Houghton Waterfront walk and the Quincy Mine Ground walk um, programmed in this app. We've got two trails in the works for next summer. um, And beyond that, we'll kind of see where the project can take us. Um, But within the technology, there are lots of opportunities to kind of add Um, Little bonus tracks that people can discover if you're walking a certain trail at a certain time of day. Maybe a a kind of music is available that wouldn't be available at another time. I was going to ask Um,
0: about that because I could see, depending on the trail, maybe sunrise or sunset has a different flavor than the middle of the day.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so the, the beauty of working with local composers is they know these areas and they know what it feels like to be there. And so they can compose to those feelings that... Are familiar for those of us who are local, um, but also a new way to kind of experience a familiar place for those of us who have walked the, the Houghton Waterfront Trail before or gone to the Quincy Mine before.